welcome to Fully Fit Life, where exercise promotes freedom and diet is a four-letter word. Two guys, one goal. Join them on their journey to live a more healthy and joy-filled life. Hi, Frank. How are you doing this evening? I am doing very well, Marty, after a quick trip up to Oregon and back over the weekend. I am uh, a little, a little tucker, but life is good. Hitting really the Oregon well. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, definitely better than last week when we talked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I'm happy to say. Um, nonetheless, I think that made for a good conversation last week. I think it did. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing all right. Feeling pretty good. Got some things done today that I needed to get done and, you know, moving forward. So ready to chat it up on our subject for tonight. What is our subject for tonight? <laughs> well, let's let's kick that off. Our subject tonight is entitled, What is Wrong with Grains? And this is taken from my most recent blog post, went up um, last week, and that's why we were actually going to talk about this last week, but we moved it to this week since we had the other, um, I don't know, the kind of how you feeling, not so good discussion last week. We bumped this one out to now, so here it is. So what's wrong with grains? And I suppose we should welcome our listeners and viewers. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Hope you uh, find something great to take away today. And if not, well, you'll, I'm sure you'll learn something regardless of whether it has a ginormous impact on you or maybe a small one, but we've committed to raise the level of information availability out there. And by golly, that's what we're going to strive to do here again tonight. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're on Apple podcast or Google play or on YouTube, if you want to see the video version, there you go. Several ways to, to find us. And you can always find the written version on my blog post at martinstraw.com slash martin's musings. There it is. So what's wrong with grains, Frank? <laughs> that's a great question. And that's what I'd like to ask you. What, what do you think is going on with grains? Well, you know, grains have been touted as being really good for you. It's like healthy whole grains, you know, by golly, if you got healthy whole grains in there, you can get the the heart healthy sticker symbol to put on your box, your package, your product, um, because it's, you know, it's it's wonderful. And I lead off the blog post by asking the questions, are these products really all that they're cracked up to be? And so today we're going to... Yeah, you like that? <laughs> like cracked wheat, right? Jimmy no cracked corn. <laughs> Jimmy cracked corn and I don't care. Um, right. So in today's, in today's podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the characteristics of grains. And it may or it may not change the way that you feel about grains, in particular, healthy whole grains, and just how they interact with your body. Number one, what are grains? 
Grains, they're also known as cereal grains. They are the fruit or the seeds of grasses. So grass type plants. And these are commonly right. known as wheat, rye, barley, corn, rice, etc. Now these ingredients are absolutely ubiquitous in foods that are available to us today and or food products. Now, the big issue here is that we have not really been designed to consume these things as food. Cows, yeah, definitely. You know, all the stomachs and the way they chew the cud and spit it back up and chew it some more and let it ruminate. Um, yeah, definitely. Birds, yeah, birds are great at eating seeds and all that good stuff. Humans, and eh, not so much. We're not really made that way. And one of the big problems is how grains affect our blood sugar levels. Now, this is really a big, a big issue because they kind of play havoc with several of the, our biological systems. And first and foremost is blood sugar. So grains are a product that is easily digested. Now that kind of sounds contradictory based on what I said earlier, you know, my last statement, how we're not really designed to eat them. And now I'm saying, well, they're easily digested. Well, it's not so much digested as broken down. And when they're broken down, they're broken down that the carbohydrates are really the one of the huge issues with grains because the grain is broken down so quick that that carbohydrate is quickly converted into glucose in our blood. And Frank, being diabetic, you really have an understanding of what happens when you consume something that spikes your blood sugar, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a good thing, right? Don't, no. Don't like the high blood sugar levels, right? Yeah. Now, in grains, they typically contain about 60 to 80% of the calories within grains. Those are in the form of carbohydrates. And they quickly cause that blood glucose level to rise. And this causes, of course, the pancreas to release insulin in response because it's got to get that blood glucose out of our blood. Yeah, it's, this is one of those kind of funny things because we need a certain amount of blood glucose in order to um, fuel up our, our muscles and other cells. I mean, it's, it's kind of important for that. It's used throughout the body as a form of energy. It's, it's fuel, essentially. But too much of it can actually become toxic. And that's the dilemma for a diabetic, is you get too much blood glucose, you know, your level's too high, and that is not a good situation. So when insulin's job is to turn on the, okay, cells, 
suck that stuff in and store it for energy. Now, in the muscles, that is used for quick energy. So it's like if you start doing something, an activity, that's immediately going to pull from the glycogen, that's the blood sugar, the, the form of blood sugar that's stored in your muscles. It's going to pull that glycogen to use as fuel to activate the muscles. The problem is that our muscles only store a certain amount. Now that level varies and it, you can actually impact that by performing exercise. The more you perform, the more your muscles will have the capacity to store because they're used to having to meet that demand. And that's one of the great adaptations that our bodies make is when we, when we put them through that in a regular way, they expand their ability to store that glycogen. But even that expanded amount is fairly limited. And so the rest of that blood glucose has to go somewhere. So what happens is fat storage is activated. So anything that the muscles don't take gets stored as fat. It gets stored in adipose tissue in the body. And that is designed to be that way, which is, it's a great thing. I mean, we have that ability, but unfortunately, when insulin is released, you're never going to be able to draw from fat stores as the design is because insulin will not, it's kind of a one-way a one-way gate, you know, it, if insulin's there, you can put stuff into adipose tissue, but you can't take it out. So when we get into this, this cycle of carbohydrates that spikes our blood sugar, and then the insulin gets it back down because carbohydrates don't particularly make us satiated, that full feeling, we're going to feel hungry again. And chances are we're probably going to have something else that's high in carbohydrates because that's the standard American diet. And that is going to, again, spike insulin. And it's going to, we're not going to, you know, we haven't used our muscles for much of anything in that intervening period of time. So they're already full. So all of that stuff is going to go to fat, which is, not good. And so this just becomes a big, huge roller coaster. Any thoughts on that? No, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head because the danger that we face with high carbohydrate diet and not allowing our body to use up that energy is, is that we create a insulin resistance um, and what happens is, is that our body needs more insulin and it's a vicious cycle like you were saying so we have to be able to challenge our body to reduce the amount of carbohydrates let the let the body take from those fat and burn them 
for energy. There's a twofer in there somewhere, and that is, I think what you do is you get to lose a little bit of weight when you're doing that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, you know, the process, while it is beautifully designed, the overuse of the system is what really causes the problem, as you just alluded to. And this thing just Abuse. becomes... It becomes a like a roller coaster that has no brakes. You know, it's just it's right. going crazy, and hopefully, it doesn't fly off the tracks. Right. And then that continued release of insulin is kind of like you. You remember the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? You know, you know the boy was on guard duty, and uh, they everybody said, "Hey, if you see a wolf, let us know so we can protect our all our critters and all that good stuff." And the boy cried wolf and the people came out and there was no wolf. And he did it, you know, two or three more times. And pretty soon the people just didn't believe him. Then, you know, let's say the fourth time, there really was a wolf, but the people didn't respond. And this is kind of what happens when our cells see the presence of insulin all the time. It leads right in to the next point in the post, which is insulin resistance, which you mentioned, Frank. So insulin resistance is a metabolic state where the cells actually kind of start to ignore that insulin's there. It's like, we see you all the time. We're just not, we're just not doing it. And even the fat cells will stop responding to it and not store it, which is where you really get into the toxic danger of the blood glucose. And that's where maybe you need medication or something, which ups it even more in the case of if you're taking insulin. It's just you know, kind of exacerbating the problem, but people do get some relief from it sometimes, not always. Yeah, it's, that, it's adding fuel to the fire. It really you know, is. You're, you have you're diabetic. You have type two diabetes. You continue to eat carbohydrates. You've got a high level of already insulin, and now the doctor's going to recommend you have more insulin shots. Right. Tough one. You got to figure that out for yourself. And then the constant cycle also causes stress on the pancreas and can ultimately lead to a loss of function of the beta cells, which is beta. where the uh, insulin is, is manufactured in the pancreas. So when that happens, suddenly it can no longer release enough insulin to get everything moved out of the blood, and then you're in trouble. Now, type yeah. 1 diabetes is a case where the pancreas doesn't produce any insulin. That one's right. that one's really that one's really tough. And that's the majority of diabetics are type 2, not type 1, which I guess that's something to be thankful for. <laughs> you know, but it's less well, bad, it, it, right? <laughs> well, the point to I think this discussion is is that most people walk around insulin resistant, obese, morbidly obese, consistently eating high carbohydrates, 
maybe sugars, maybe bread, and they don't know that it's killing them. There's the rub. There's where we want to let people know that how do you correct this? And there's a whole episode on how to correct it. But by understanding how carbohydrates work, how grains work, et cetera, this is a great start to understand how to correct type 2 diabetes. And in most, it can be corrected. And, and here's our little asterisk. We are not doctors. But yep. what we're doing is putting out educational information to let you know that yeah. if you're obese, if you're morbidly obese, and if all you're doing is eating carbohydrates, there is a freight train coming your way. It's called type 2 diabetes. And you need to learn how to avoid it. Yeah. And thank you for the asterisk there on the we're not doctors and we're not, but this is widely available information. And yes. if you would like to see a number of the resources that I use in um, creating these posts, there are links within the written version of the blog post. So if you're interested in that, please definitely check that out and go, go scope it out. You know, this isn't stuff that we've just made up. It's not some wacko thing. It's information from very reputable sites. And are there disagreements on it? You better believe it. There are few things other than maybe politics and religion that have as much tension and disagreement as uh, nutrition so it's it's one of those hot topics. So there you go. And 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 I think that's why you and I, you know, when we started talking about possibility and the proposition of doing something like this, we're not always going to agree on everything. You and I. There's a lot of things that because there's so much information and there's so much science going on and research, the scientists can't even agree. And yeah. so they're doctors and yeah. uh, it's food. And if you take a real simple approach to food, take out processed food, fast food, high carbohydrates, high sugar, et cetera. We'll talk about this sprinkled throughout all of our episodes and podcasts, all our discussions, just eat whole food, you know, yep. fresh, organic, you know, yeah. lots of green. Just to kind of expand a little bit on your comment there, about the science changing and moving forward, I can remember the first time I heard something about someone who, um, and actually it was a great niece, as I recall, someone who was having a problem with gluten. And I thought, gluten? Are you kidding me? That can't be real. It's got to be something else. That's just, I mean, we grew up, we ate white bread, and we ate you know, all kinds of stuff that had flour in it and gluten in it. That that can't be. That this is this whole gluten thing is a you know, somebody's making this up. Um, but the reality is is the science has moved forward. There are we know so much more now than we knew fifty years ago, forty years ago, ten years ago. There are things that it's like, man, we should have known about that. And we didn't. Mm -hmm. We just mm -hmm. didn't. You know, yeah. 
And it's, so I understand when somebody hears something like this and they go, oh, wait a minute, you telling me that bread isn't good for me? I'm telling you that some of the components within bread may not be good for you. And don't forget, this doesn't mean that everybody is impacted the same way. So that's correct. There are you know, yeah. different people have intolerances or sensitivities or even allergies that other people don't have. So we're all different. We all have different, you know, genes, DNA, makeup, and it's going to affect others. We, some people can tolerate it more. I, I think you can also remember, you know, 50 years ago when we rode in the back of a tr pickup truck down the freeway. Sixty mm -hmm. miles an hour. Yep. You know that was a that was a great time. You know <laughs> it was. That doesn't mean it was safe. <laughs> no. In today's day and age, we're suffering because we eat white bread or we eat lots of you know sugar or whatever. Yeah. We're suffering for that. And I would encourage people to also look at how white bread was processed also because it does great harm to your pancreas because it's got bleach in it. Okay. And the bleach, well, it's probably not good to consume white yeah. bleach bread. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you look up in the internet, uh, side effects of white bleached bread, you'll find that it, it's not good for your body, and yet we're eating it. <laughs> hey, would anyway. you like a glass of bleach with that uh, sandwich? And to be fair, I'm sure it's some kind of processed bleach that's not supposed to hurt us. But you know what? It's hurting us. And, and uh, it's not necessary. It's not. The reason why they did it is because it sped up the processing to make flour. Yeah. And then what they did was is they enriched it with vitamins and minerals once they ripped them out to process yeah. it. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I digress. We'll definitely talk more about both types of diabetes in a future, a future broadcast. But in the meantime, we'll move on. So how does grain affect your intestines? Now, the most well-known grain-associated malady is celiac disease. And celiac right. disease, the cause is known. And the cause is wheat gluten. So gluten is the cause of celiac disease. Now, celiac disease is a very serious genetic autoimmune disease that damages the villi of the small intestine. These are like little fibers, little hairs that um, are, are, are pulling the minerals and all that good stuff out of uh, the food that we eat. Autoimmunity means that the body's defenses actually can't identify itself, your own body, from an intruder. And so the body actually attacks itself. So that's a big problem. So you get, you know, normally you get like a virus, you know, everybody thinks 
COVID-19, right? So you get a virus in your body and your autoimmune system looks at that thing. It's like you got your own little built-in radar kind of deal and it can identify, hey, that's me or that's an intruder. And with celiac disease, there's actually a confusion that happens and the body actually begins to attack itself, which is definitely not good. For the person who has celiac disease, it causes inflammation that damages the intestinal lining. And this leads to very serious medical complications. Things like diarrhea, bloating, gas, fatigue, weight loss, iron deficiency anemia, constipation, depression, and an itchy rash. Now, along with these, it also causes the malabsorption of a number of nutrients, which leads to malnutrition. And more than 200,000 cases of celiac are diagnosed every year. And it's estimated that only 17% of total celiac sufferers have even been diagnosed. So it, it largely goes undiagnosed. And unfortunately, doctors often think it's something else. And it takes, I've, I've heard stories of up to like six or eight years before the diagnosis actually came back as celiac disease. So that's kind of scary because now they start treating you for things you actually don't have and you're not gaining any ground against what's really causing the issue, but you're dealing with drugs or procedures for the wrong thing. Not, not good. Now, beyond celiac disease, there are untold numbers of people who are affected by what has now been dubbed as non-celiac gluten sensitivity, or NCGS. People suffering from NCGS can experience any or all of the same symptoms as those people diagnosed with celiac, but they don't have the traditional markers that indicate the presence of celiac. So there's some antibody tests that, that they do now. And thankfully, this is becoming more normal when people are showing signs instead of the, you know, the method that we were using, which was kind of akin to throwing darts at a dartboard and figuring out what disease it might be. But with these antibody tests, they can actually find that, yeah, you are a celiac sufferer. Now, it's also interesting to note that those who follow a 100% gluten-free diet are freed from symptoms of celiac or NCGS, non-celiac, what did I say it was? Non-celiac gluten sensitivity. This is true for both of those groups. And likewise, both of those groups will experience relapse when gluten is added back into their diets. And celiac sufferers are so sensitive to gluten that they have to go to extreme measures to make sure that they don't get any gluten because almost any amount 
can cause a problem, which is kind of scary. And that's why you're seeing the addition of things, you know, processed in a, in a facility that also processes wheat because even those trace amounts can be dangerous for the celiac sufferer, so, which is crazy. That brought up the subject of inflammation. Inflammation is our body's immune system responding to something that it perceives as bad, such as an infection, an injury, or a toxin. Your immune system is in an attempt to heal itself. It's releasing antibodies and proteins, as well as increasing the blood flow to the area that is affected. Now, acute inflammation is a good thing because this is the normal body's response. It usually only lasts for a couple of hours or maybe a couple of days at the most. And, and that's fine. So you get a cut and you might notice that it kind of starts to swell up around it and it's doing its job to try to isolate that and to heal it. But chronic inflammation is, this is something that can last indefinitely. And this is when it gets really bad and when things really start to go haywire. Now, grains have, in addition to celiac and non-celiac gluten sensitivity, that's a mouthful, you know, grains have been associated with causing permeability of the intestinal lining, which allow things to pass through the lining that should not be passing through the lining. So, I mean, just think about all the stuff that you can imagine that is in your intestines. It, and it needs to stay in your intestines. And it has right. actually been called leaky gut. 10 years ago, somebody would say leaky gut and all the doctors in the room would laugh their heads off and, and you'd leave the room in shame. Uh, yeah, not so much anymore. Come to find out it's not actually anymore. a real thing. So, yeah. and leaky gut, then allows things to penetrate that intestinal barrier. And those things can trigger an immune response to various proteins and bacterias that now have access into areas of the body where they do not belong. I mean, we all know what our intestines do. Yeah, they, they process food, they digest food. But, you know, think about the far end. That stuff doesn't belong floating around in your bloodstream. No, that stuff belongs either in your intestines or in the toilet. In the right? toilet. <laughs> That's it. I vote for the toilet. That's where it belongs, you know. Well, yeah. you got to have it yeah. in the intestines for a little while. But that's yeah. you want those, you know, you want those cell junctions to be tight so that that stuff isn't leaking through and causing you, you know, serious grief. Um, so this chronic inflammation that leaky gut can allow to happen can lead to autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune diseases, again, are caused by the body's immune system 
mistaking its own cells as invaders and causing the body to attack itself. Some common autoimmune diseases, and listen to this list. These are autoimmune diseases, type 1 diabetes, celiac disease, lupus, Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid issue, uh, Graves' disease, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and inflammatory bowel disease. That's not a nice list. I mean, these are not guys that yeah. you invite to your birthday party, you know? I was waiting for Crohn's. Does that uh, make the, uh, is that even honorable mention? Yep, absolutely. But, you know, you only want to make the list so long and so scary, right? <laughs> right. I mean, anyway. this is not an exhaustive list. It's not a nice list, yeah. and it's not an exhaustive list. These are the things that grains have been associated with. Does everybody end up with leaky gut because they eat grains? No. But it is possible. What do you think one of the biggest questions people bring up about not eating grains? Frank, what do you think? Any thoughts? That's a great question. Hmm? What do they say? They say quite commonly, oh, but grains are a great source of fiber, fiber. right? Fiber. Oh, fiber. Get oh. fiber and all kinds of other food, but yeah, fiber. <laughs> yeah. And they've got all kinds of, of other nutrients in them. And it's true that grains do add fiber to the diet. It's also equally true that fiber can be added to the diet just as well or maybe better by eating fruits and vegetables starchy tubers nuts and seeds not seeds right. of grains but like tree nuts sunflower seeds those kind of things pumpkin pumpkin seeds yep that's a good one so as far as vitamins and minerals, what about those? Well, grains lose the battle on this one too. Because when considering what foods are good or bad for you, a real key piece of information is what's known as nutrient density. A nutrient density is a measure of how much of a nutrient or nutrients are contained in a particular food source. Most things have more than one nutrient. You know, it's not like you just get, you know, one thing from a, a bell pepper or whatever, you know, from a banana, right. you, you get multiple things. So using the most impartial list that I can possibly find on nutrient density, there's a scale produced by Dr. Matt Leland. And grains are found at the very bottom of the list with a rating of 1.2. Compare that with the top of the list, which is organ meats. The top entry, organ meats, has a 21.3 rating. 
nuts and seeds come in at 7.5, fish and seafood at 6.0, raw vegetables at 3.8. So it's pretty clear that grains are not exactly what they're made out to be. All right. Super, lots of nutrients, lots of, yeah, they have like trace amounts of nutrients is what they have. And when you think about some of the different diet fads, I'll call them a fad, but a diet uh, strategy, uh, whether it's Mediterranean or uh, paleo, I think it's paleo, mm -hmm. they tend to avoid uh, the, the grains. And, and the, 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 yeah. the thought behind that was, is that there, oh, I'm sure 10,000 years ago or so, there were people out there growing wheat, but we, we pretty much were vegetables, fruit, and meat for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Agriculture really hadn't set in, you know, 10,000 years ago. Most people were pretty nomadic. It was yeah. around that time frame that it started happening. But not to any big degree, and certainly, and, you know, in the last fifty, sixty years, it's really, it's really taken off with all the breeding changes, and and now with GMO, you know, yeah, genetic modification, um, yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of information on that, and I didn't delve into that aspect of this, just because you, know, you got to draw I think the that's line for another. Yeah, I think that's for another episode too, because when you talk about the processing and the shortcuts yeah. or whatever they want to do to you know shelf life and et cetera. Yeah, you know, you know, there are fact, there are consequences. We yeah. we kind of mentioned that back on one of the macronutrients that we talked about right. fats mm -hmm. we talked about the oils and how uh, yes. you know i can't remember the quote exactly but you know what was once this became that and became that and suddenly we can eat it you know it was garbage right. and now it's food um, it once was motor oil <laughs> <laughs> then it became or, bicycle oil <laughs> or at least lamp oil I think lamp they oil, right? use it for lamps, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, another piece of this is there have been studies that show that whole grains are a healthy alternative. And I say whole grains, and I say healthy alternatives to processed grains. I probably should say that right. those, were, those were in air quotes for those that are listening on right. podcast and not on YouTube. <laughs> because you couldn't see that. And while this is somewhat true, it's also true that these studies compare the value of diets containing whole grains with those of the value of diets containing refined grains. They don't compare diets that don't contain any or are very low in grains. So, you know, they don't really give you a, a complete comparison. It's just one thing to the other. And to me, this is kind of just like saying that low-tar cigarettes is healthier than full-tar cigarettes. <laughs> eating healthy whole grains is healthier than eating processed grains. 
Right. And to me, it's kind of like, you know, maybe that wording would be more true if we said it's less bad rather right. than it's better. Right. Less bad. It is better, but that's really kind of misleading. So then in summary, our goal is to help people make conscious, you know, decisions about their nutrition. It's important to watch out for the hype that's out there. And there's plenty along with the slanted stories. It's healthier. The case for grains being the health food savior is just not convincing to me. Consider the facts. Grains don't provide anything that is not found in other natural foods in greater quantities most of the time. Grains play havoc with your blood sugar and insulin levels. The vicious cycle can and often does lead to insulin resistance. Grains are, at the very least, a contributor to leaky gut and autoimmunity. And, you know, I totally understand that eliminating 100% of grains from your diet might just not seem possible to you. I totally get that. Grain is in everything. Did you know that soy sauce has grain in it? I mean, it's made from soybeans, but it has grain in it. It has wheat. Why? It's kind of crazy. <laughs> That's a double whammy right there. <laughs> yeah, really. I get it. You know, eliminating all grains, that's tough. I've mentioned before, my daughter, my wife, both bakers. Thankfully, my daughter bakes sourdough bread, uh, which is not as bad because sourdough has the fermentation process, which has been demonstrated to help reduce some of the effects of wheat. So that's a good thing. Right. Is it better for me? Well, I'm sure it's less bad. <laughs> so I'm going to throw that <laughs> myself right there. Um, yeah. I would suggest that people seriously consider reducing their intake of grains and to definitely be aware of what they're consuming. Anything that we try nutritionally or dietarily, I encourage people to, to try things and see how you feel. Just because you decide to try something doesn't mean that you have to stick with it forever. Oh, you know, I gave up eating spinach because I wanted to. And now I have to forever because I decided to do that. Well, wait a minute. No. If you decide you want to eat spinach, eat spinach. Right. It's okay. The point is that we want you to make informed decisions and just to be more aware that sometimes there's more going on than meets the eye. Sometimes it's not always about it's the most nutritious thing for you. It's more about, it's a lot less expensive for the manufacturers to use that ingredient than to use this other ingredient. 
unfortunately, that is the case. Yeah. So for some, I think total elimination, you know, might work. And if you can do that, more power to you. But just having the knowledge and being, if nothing else, intrigued in researching it more for yourself, uh, I'll, I'll feel like the job was done. If, you know, if we hear from somebody that says, yeah, I did that and I've decided I'm still going to eat grains. Okay. At least we made you think about it. And at least now you're making that decision based on information that you have, you know, maybe added to this. So a conscience decision. Yep. Yep. So that's really, that's really what I had for this week, Frank. I know I did very good. I did most of the yakking. So you got any any oh, that, follow up no, that, thoughts or questions? No, no, no. No, I think you did a great job. Um, uh, Thank I, you, sir. I think yeah, I, I think we covered every pretty much everything, and in this you know type of time frame as an introduction, and most of our podcasts are introductions. You know, yeah, we we do very good. Pretty, pretty broad brush and at some right. point we'll start drilling down a little more and i'm thinking next week we start looking at calories my original thought was calories good versus bad but as i've written the blog post i decided to split it into two different weeks so this first one is more of a what the heck is a calorie? <laughs> we talk about them all the time, but what is it? So it's more of an introduction to calories. And then maybe next week, uh, you know, or the next post after that will be, you know, the good versus bad kind of thing. Yeah. So how's that sound to you? Sounds great. Cool. Well, that topic. post will be up tomorrow. It's all ready to go. So it's it's all scheduled. I just had an idea on a change that I want to do on the photo. So I'm going to do that. And uh, I always, I, I do all the, well, not all, but almost all of the photos for my my blog posts also. Something that ties in, hopefully, makes them interesting. And it's kind of fun. I got to shoot that in the morning. <laughs> Very good. Anything you want to leave our audience with? Eat as if your life depends on it. Because guess what? It, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No. Great. Listeners, watchers, we hope you found something. As always, that's, that's always our objective, is to give you a little bit more information. You may agree. You may disagree. And honestly, that's okay. We're, we're not offended if you take a different position. That's totally fine. But we do challenge you to understand the position that you take. So not just necessarily by default, but because you've looked at it and you thought about it and you figured something out. And that's awesome because that's the goal. That's the goal. Get people thinking and and figuring these things out and making decisions. Well, thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank you, Marty.
And folks, we will see you again next week. Don't forget YouTube if you want to watch it, Apple Podcast or Google Play if you just want to carry us along in the car or whatever. We would love to spend that time with you. Thanks and have a wonderful evening. Good night. See you.